Hello everyone, this is Marie Lipman in our Opponents Eurasia podcast featuring a series of discussions about Russian Eurasia, about the region's politics and about other Russian Eurasia related topics. The wild 90s, Lihidvinosti, has long become a universally shared cliché used to describe the first post-Soviet decade. It was indeed a turbulent time. What with the coup of 1993, the atrocious war in Chechnya, the vicious rivalry of the oligarchs, the financial crisis at the end of that decade, and of course the collapse of the habitual Soviet safety net, the dramatic impoverishment of the majority, and the improbable enrichment of the few. Very early in his tenure, President Putin successfully contrasted himself to his predecessor Boris Yeltsin. While Yeltsin was aging, inhaling health, had a drinking problem and kept disappearing for weeks on end, Putin was young, healthy, sober, athletic, and in charge. Putin mostly refrained from criticizing Yeltsin personally. After all, it was Yeltsin who anointed him for presidency, and yet he contributed quite a bit to the perception of the 90s as the time of chaos and lawlessness, and thereby of himself as Russia's savior who led his people out of darkness and granted them prosperity and stability. This perception, explicitly or implicitly, explains the Russian people's general preference of status quo over change. Change is seen as risky and bound to make things worse, to throw Russia back down into the abyss of the wild 90s. This also partly explains why Alexei Navalny, who enjoys support and even admiration among some 20% of Russians, is often regarded with suspicion and distrust by others who see him as a dangerous troublemaker. Collective perceptions of the past, however, draw only partly on the actual experience. Researchers working in memory studies explain that collective memories are in fact constructed. What a nation remembers or forgets is informed in no minor part by the operation of various political actors who may turn the existing perceptions to their own benefit, first and foremost for consolidating their power and legitimacy. I will talk about it with Olga Malinova. Olga Milinova is professor at the High School of Economics University and the chief research fellow at the Institute of Scientific Information for Social Sciences at the Russian Academy of Sciences. Olga is Russia's leading specialist in symbolic politics and memory studies. Her recent large-scale research project is devoted to the myth of the wild 90s and the political actors involved in its construction. Hello, Olga. Hello, Masha. So today, the perception of the first post-Soviet decade as the wild 90s is deeply rooted in the Russian people's minds. Has it always been the case? And if not, how has it evolved over time? Well, it looks like in recent time, the majority of the Russian society feels rather negative about the experience of the 1990s. In particular, we have the survey taken by Levada Center in March 2020, and it revealed that 62% of respondents hold that the 1990s has brought more bad things than good ones. And only 19% believe that the good things prevail. To be true, this proportion is slightly different if we take younger people who had no real experience of the 1990s, but still it's 53% of those who believe that this experience was negative. I would say that if we look at what sociologists who 
conducted surveys in the 1990s, say. In the 1990s, the evaluation of this experience was slightly different. In particular, I refer to the article published by Alexei Levinson, who worked in Levada Center in the 90s. And he uh, says that in the 1990s, the evaluation of the current situation, of uh, the evolution of uh, their life was more differentiated. So not everybody believed that it's uh, completely bad. And uh, according to his data, it was in the mid-2000s that negative assessments started prevailing. So we may say that this myth of what in Russian we call Lihi Divinosti, we have different words to translate it to English. Wild 1990s is only one opportunity. It could be also dash, it could be hard. So the hard 1990s. Uh, the myth of the hard 1990s uh, became prevailing in the mid-2000s. By the way, we also have another indicator because the trope Lehi Divinosti also appeared uh, in the 1990s and according to the study of Anastasia Bonch-Asmalovska, who did linguistic research based on the national corpus of Russian language, which contains millions of uh, texts According to Anastasia's research, the phrase Lihi uh, Divinosti appeared in 2005 and quickly became proliferated. So it became the preferred epithet for naming the decade. So we also can see by proliferation of this phrase how this perception of this time as deeply negative became prevailing retrospectively. Can you please tell us what kind of data are you looking at in your research and what political actors are you looking at? Well, my research was focused on how this experience of the 1990s was framed uh, in political discourse, meaning by it uh, the discourse of professional politicians. And of course, it's only first approach uh, to, to a broad, broad issue. And in my research, I did a study of records of speeches given by presidents Vladimir Putin and Dmitry Medvedev. And for these records, I, I tried to do the full study, meaning that I used every record available at official website. And I looked if it contains any references to the 1990s, and if yes, I use it for my research and I did coding and did everything. So I can say that for Putin's and Medvedev's speeches, my research is pretty full. I also used publications or politicians who could be identified as successors of what in the 1990s was called the Democrats. Now they're called the liberals or politicians who succeeded the opponents of Boris Yeltsin in the 1990s, meaning that they belong to two political camps, the communists and those who are called either conservatives or national patriots or, or whatever. And for this group, I used a broad body of texts published in printed media. I did search in databases, so again, I try to make my data as complete as possible. Um, let us start with President Putin personally. Would you say that he is, was the master framer of this myth? 
Well, I would not put it this way. I believe that Putin used this myth, and of course, by using this myth, he contributed to its construction. And it's clearly visible that this experience was most often mentioned in his speeches, interviews, meetings, uh, whatever, during his first presidential term. And it's quite natural because it was at that time, the 1990s was immediately preceding time. And uh, any politician describing his or her decisions should refer to the recent past to explain what uh, he or she is going to do. Putin was not an exception from this rule. And of course, he should frame this previous experience critically because he needed to distance himself from Yeltsin, who by this time was highly unpopular. So he did what probably any politicians would do. He represented his own steps as some fixing of what was done wrong in the previous period. I should emphasize that he was critical towards politics of the 1990s, towards what was done by his predecessors, but not to Yeltsin personally. And we can see how in the next terms he comes back to this experience. And what is particularly visible during his third term, because my research stopped in 2018. So what is particularly visible for his third term is that he is rather eager to refer to the experience of the 1990s to emphasize the contrast between what was before him and what was done by himself. I tried to code fragments of his speeches that were framed either positively or negatively or neutrally. And we can see that the proportion of negative framing statements about the 1990s is the greatest during his third term. I also tried to distinguish between those speeches that were pre-prepared, meaning that it was clearly some speech that was prepared for him by speechwriters, and kind of spontaneous interventions during interviews, meetings with different publics, etc., meaning that it's some speeches that are more or less spontaneous. And what is interesting is that the proportion of negative statements about the 1990s during Putin's third presidential term is like six persons of negative statements. 48 were found in pre-prepared speeches, while 42% of total quantity of fragments that were negative were from spontaneous speeches. It demonstrates clearly that for him, this myth about the negative experience of the 1990s is really very important. I would say that it's used for different purposes. First of all, of course, it helps to emphasize Putin's own advantages, Putin's own achievements. In particular, of course, the 1990s are framed, is a period that is framed as turbulent, while Putin's period is framed as a period of stability, stabilization. But on the other hand, of course, these negative references are also used to emphasize dangers involved in any radical changes of political order. And of course, it's a great argument for Putin's regime, for legitimizing Putin's regime. And on the other hand, and it's quite remarkable, recently Putin started from time to time and quite visible 
I refer to the experience of the 1990s in terms of the myth of defeat, meaning that the myth of defeat is functional in, as far as it explains how we were defeated, but after it were able to defeat our enemy, so to become great again. And he refers to this experience in terms of comparison of Russia with Phoenix Bird, who was crushed in the 1990s, but uh, reappeared strong again. For the first time, this framing of the experience of the 1990s was used in 2005 in the address to the Federal Assembly. But after it, I didn't remember that it was used. And it became uh, reused uh, quite actively during Putin's third term. So it's deeply, I would say, interiorized myth, and now it's quite important for That's interesting because you seem to suggest that it is this perception of the 1990s as wild as the time of chaos and turbulence is something that Putin genuinely believes. If I understand you correctly, this is suggested by the fact that he more often uses this formula in his spontaneous speeches, not in his prepared speeches. It is usually a thankless job to try and figure out what a politician really believes, but you seem to draw a conclusion based on your um, research and your data that Putin has his own feelings about 1990s. Is that correct? Well, you're right. We cannot know what the politician actually believes in. The only thing we can mention is the fact a politician comes back and again to certain topics. And yes, my data suggests that it is really very important for Putin. And he uses this idea of the negative experience of the 1990s quite often in his speeches. And in my mind, the fact that he quite often does it by his own will, meaning that it's not something that was pre-prepared, but something that uh, comes to his mind during the discussion, suggests that this thing is really uh, very important for him. We can see that he uses some different framing. For example, I've mentioned that recently, I mean, in time that I didn't cover by my systematic research, but from time to time, Putin speaks about the experience of the 1990s most empathetically. I mean that he says that, yes, it was a difficult time and it was difficult to make decisions. In particular, I remember how recently it was on the first, of February, it was 90 years since Boris Yeltsin's birthday. Early in the morning, Putin went to Yeltsin's tomb. He put flowers and gave uh, a short uh, speech to journalists. And this speech was rather, I would say, empathic uh, towards Yeltsin, but also towards the experience of political elite who had to rule the country that was in that really different, difficult time. Meaning that, again, he, he framed the 1990s as difficult time, but this time he was less critical towards the ruling elite and, I would say, more empathic. Okay. Can you please give several more examples of verbal framing of this contrast, wild 90s versus stability of the 2000s? 
turbulent time versus stable time. Apparently, there are also other formula that occurs that one comes across in politicians' speeches and their, their, their other texts. Well, I should emphasize that Putin himself never used these words. According to my knowledge, he never uses publicly this wording, the wild 1990s. And I would say that in his rhetoric, there were another tools to construct this contrast, this opposition between the 1990s and Putin's own time. It should be said that the most important buzzwords that were invented to describe Putin's period, early Putin's period, like dictatorship of law or vertical of power, they were constructed in a way to make a contrast between what was and what is creating. In particular, the buzzword strong state had clear connotations towards the experience of the 1990s. So Putin, for example, called the Russian state of Yeltsin period uh, weak, slum, etc. Another tool that was used was a proliferation of the non-stability referring to Putin's period. And again, it was something that was often used and was what was proliferated by Putin himself. It was interesting that probably the word itself was suggested during uh, the talk that was recorded for uh, ORT TV channel in February 2000, when Putin ran his electoral campaign while being the acting president. Actually, it was one of interviews that was done uh, as a part of his electoral campaign. The question was about investments, said something like who would invest in the country that lacks stability. And uh, Mikhail Leontiev tried to develop this issue of stability and asked Putin, are you a factor for stability? And Putin answered that any president who will be elected would be such a factor. But in the end of the interview, when the talk switched to his personal life, Putin returned to this topic and reflecting his experience of moving from one state dacha to another, he said, we live as if we were sitting on our suitcases. Over the past 10 years, the whole country has been living like that. And that brings us back to the problem we started with, the problem of stability. So the problem of stability is the main problem that he addresses. And actually, achievement of stability was considered by him as um, his major achievement as uh, a politician. Yeah, and it seems that is also appreciated by the Russian nation, by the Russian people as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's probably switch to other actors, other politicians in Russia or other ideological entrepreneurs, as Marlene Darlil calls them, those who contribute to the public perception of the 90s. What do they agree on and where do they differ? Well, I would say that strangely enough, People who found themselves in the opposite camps in the 1990s were quite in agreement in creating this narrative about the 1990s as a difficult, a hard, uh, and in a sense, wild time. 
Why so? Of course, it was quite natural that the communists, as well as the people who now call themselves the conservatives and the 1990s call themselves national patriots, it's quite natural that people from this camp are rather critical towards the 1990s and rather critical towards uh, Yeltsin himself. Of course, for them, uh, the 1990s was a period when Russia turned uh, a wrong way and everything became bad. But what is surprising is that for the Democrats, there is a lot of problematic things in the 1990s as well. To understand it, we should remember that in the 1990s, uh, the camp of the Democrats who supported uh, Yeltsin in the very beginning of the 1990s, the camp of the Democrats went through a series of splits. And actually, uh, there were different opinions about how to conduct schools. Of course, there were different opinions concerning uh, the political crisis of uh, 1993 and the way it was resolved. So there are different opinions, uh, again, about when things went wrong. But by the end of the 1990s, a lot of people in the liberal camp were rather critical towards Yeltsin. And, of course, they were interested in constructing the history of the 1990s. But... I would say that their main interest was to rehabilitate those who made decisions. And, for example, people from the party that succeeded Igor Gaidar's party, Democratic Russia, etc., meaning the party that succeeded Gaidar's line, they were rather um, interested in explaining why they did what they do, did. And uh, they were rather anxious about rehabilitating themselves. And if you take their opponents in the liberal camp, for example, Yablaka party, they were again rather occupied, rather concerned with criticizing Igor Gaidar and the way liberal reforms were conducted. As a result, there were no political forces that were interested in constructing positive image of the 1990s. Everybody were critical, though, for different reasons. So surprisingly enough, among the political forces in Russia, there were no actors who would, how to say, defend the positive things that were conducted in the 1990s. I would say that recently we can see some efforts to improve the situation, but not exactly from political forces, meaning that they have to do not with political parties, but rather with institutions like the Yeltsin Center or some people who develop their mnemonic projects, by the way, again, in collaboration with the Yeltsin Center. In particular, I mean project devoted uh, to... Uh, the history of the 1990s, that should result uh, in eight volumes, History of the 1990s, that is organized by Georgi Satarov and other people with the Yeltsin Center. They try to create history, real history. Of course, it is a mnemonic project, but it is more a cultural or public project than a, street, a political one in so since there are basically no attempts made by politicians to exonerate the 1990s, 
Is there a period or periods in Russian history that are seen as a kind of a golden age, at least by some groups in the Russian society? Well, I would say that recently we can see some shifts in terms of how the 1990s are commemorated in public. But those shifts are more connected with the social and cultural processes than with political ones. On one hand, it's about 30 years since this decade began. It means that it's a time, a life of one generation. And we know uh, from many researchers from many cases that this turn uh, of generations, this uh, succession of, of generations is usually one of factors of uh, reworking of memory of traumatic experience. And in many cases, it is the next generations that starts revising this traumatic uh, memory. So we can see uh, a public interest to this period. Uh, this interest reveals itself in interest to the cultural history of the 1990s, in the interest to the social history of the 1990s, in interest to, I, I don't know, songs about the 1990s, flash mobs with pictures from the 1990s. People start remembering how it was. What did they do uh, during this time? So it's more about uh, social and cultural memory than about political one. However, to my mind, because this negative memory plays a such uh, important role in legitimation of Putin's regime, I think that in some point, the political forces who are interested in delegitimation of this regime should turn the issue of what preceded. I do not mean that people will try to whitewash the 1990s. Of course, it was a difficult time. And actually, this negative memory has its own basis because people actually had this uh, hard experience. Uh, however, of course, it was much more plural, meaning that it was not that deeply uh, negative. It was different. And I believe that some interest to what has actually happened and whether it was a chance, whether there was a moment when things get wrong, some public interest to these issues uh, should arise. And I believe that probably it's not a long time to wait for it. So you really expect this myth of the wild 90s or however it is called, you expect it to evolve? You expect that we will see and hear more of different perceptions or uh, deeper looking into that period. Is that correct? Yes. And I shall say that in terms of public interest, in terms of social aspects or cultural aspects, we already see this race of public interest. And I'm sure that at some moment, political interest to this period also should be refrained. I mean, not should, but it, it is something that is quite natural to expect. Okay, so let's wait for a reframing. And thank you for a very interesting conversation. Thank you very much, Marsha, for inviting me.